The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? Planet Earth and me in my purple room. How are you? Today is, I think, Wednesday. Feels like a Wednesday. Feel kind of humped, like a hump day. Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. And my nose is itchy. Good morning. How is everybody? How's, uh, how's life? Okay. I just, uh, uh, my mojo is gone again. Somebody, somebody grabbed my mojo. And ran off with it. And I'm all... I'm just... Uh, I have no energy for any of this stuff. It's uh, been a, one of those weeks. And the, the uh, bet is whether or not today's guest will show up. Now, I'm betting probably today. Uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul J is with us and he says his booking agent is a pot. <laughs> I think it's probably the same one that I use quite often. Um, yeah, if you got a text from him at 7.30 this morning, I know. I know it's the same one because I got a text from him at 7.30 this morning. Um, good morning. <laughs> uh, just, you know, so my guest didn't show up Monday or Tuesday. Yesterday, there was a time zone issue. And that kind of, that shit just... Uh, it pisses me off that that we don't have a better understanding of how time zones work. I mean, our schools are failing us. It was a young man who was supposed to be on yesterday, and I'm not mad at him necessarily. I'm mad at the world for making it difficult for people. <laughs> is it really that difficult, though? I mean, an hour every thousand miles is what it is, folks. An hour every thousand miles. Figure it out. The excuse, oh, I, I had the wrong time zone. So that was the excuse yesterday. I don't know. Uh, oh, Monday could have been my fault. Could have been his fault. I don't know. Uh, he thought he was scheduled for Thursday. <laughs> I thought he was scheduled for Monday. I'm pretty sure I had it right, though. So today, Corbin LeMaster out of Springfield, Missouri, comedian who is a traveling comedian, will be with us at 10 a.m. Uh, Dean O'Hara is supposed to be my guest host today. I expect him to show up somewhere at 9.30 this morning. Um, what's going on in the world? Well, me, personally, just feeling like so tired. I need a vacation. I definitely need a vacation. And it's not just the fact that I've been gigging like crazy lately. I, again, you know, five gigs last weekend between Thursday and Sunday. And 
again this weekend. Now, <laughs> Paul was just alluding to his booking agent being a putz. Um, a lot of confusion going on there lately and calls coming in. Can you do this? You know, we've already told you can't do this, can't do that. Um, but this weekend, starting again Thursday night, uh, then two on Friday, one on Saturday, and two on Sunday. And then one on Monday, one Monday afternoon, right after my morning show. Well, not right after my morning show. But so it it starts all over again. It's exhausting between that doing that and doing two shows. I'm not complaining. Believe me, I love playing music. The traveling gets to be... People, oh, I'm not. I'm not traveling country, you know, nationwide, but still driving. I got gigs that that are two hours, two and a half hours from here, even on this island of Long. Um, so it's tiring, and then doing two shows a day, and then when the guests don't show up, and I got to talk for two hours about what. I don't fucking plan on this shit. I plan on having a conversation with somebody, and if they're not there, that means I just have to keep rambling for two hours. It's not a comfortable thing. Thank God Carl was here yesterday. Um, so they did they did a, a watch-along um, stream yesterday. Carl and Jamie and uh, that fellow with the high voice and the gray hair from... Uh, Nashville, uh, Brett Broccoli or something, Brett Broccoli, and uh, they were watching Predator, and maybe it's, it's a generational thing, but for me, it's just like, eh, watching old movies, like, all, all different time sync, I don't get it, I don't get it, but I, I wish them well with it, I hope, I hope it takes off, um, I guess it's, it's, But, but, nah, but, 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 I don't get it. There's suffice to say that I don't get it. My generation is clueless, I guess, when it comes to that stuff. Like, why would you want to watch movies online with people online in different places and react to it? You know, first of all, if I'm going to watch a movie, I don't want anybody talking anyway. Don't fucking say a word. If you say a word, you're going to get a slap. That's you. I'm talking about you. You're going to get a slap. You, right up there. Don't talk during the movie. Yeah, it was fun. You liked those, but now you're going to get a slap, too. Kelly, good morning, Kelly. Uh, no, you're not really going to get a slap. Anyway, what's going on in the world today? Well, there were primaries yesterday, and um, not that anybody gives a fuck about primaries, primary elections. You know, if unless it's in your state, you probably don't care about this. But the thing that I'm sorry to beat up on you, Republican people. But the thing that I, my biggest takeaway from yesterday, these fucking Republicans <laughs> are crazy with the voter fraud allegations, even against their own party now. Because primaries are within your own party. And whenever anything doesn't go their way, Every Republican candidate falls back on the rigged election. It's, it's voter fraud. It's all no. You're losing, stupid. You <laughs> that's that's how it works. You lost. 
Um, but they don't see the danger in playing that game. Because if you can't trust any fucking elections, if you can't trust the elections, then even if you do get elected, you can't be trusted. But they don't see that. And they're just going to play this game anytime. They're playing it against their own party. Anytime things don't go your way, you're going to call foul. This is what we all grew up with somebody who was like that in playing games when we were children. Somebody who was never out, no matter how obviously or by how long a distance they were out. No, that's fair. I may, I was safe. No, you weren't safe. You're a lying little whining fucking pussy. This was Donald Trump, and he taught the entire Republican Party to follow in that. I <laughs> no fair. I won. You just want to slap all of them. Speaking of slapping Republicans, well, they deserve a, I guess, a little bit of credit for about facing on their fist bump. We, if you're not familiar, a week ago, the Senate Republicans voted down a bill that would care for vets who were victims of uh, pit burns, toxic pit burns, uh, you know, exposure to toxic chemicals. And you send your veterans off to, or you send your warriors off to fight a war, they expect, part of the agreement, that you're going to take care of them if they get fucked up because uh, you sent them to a war that wasn't their making. And this is what happened. So there was a bill, the pit burn bill, Burn pit, burn pit. I say it backwards, Bill. And uh, because they just didn't want to see the Democrats get a win in any sort because it was a Democrat-sponsored bill, they voted it down. And then they fist-bumped on the Senate floor. Ted Cruz led the fist-bump. Yay, we we fucked the veterans just to own the libs. This is the party that claims to be pro-military and all that. So their excuse was there was so much pork in that bill, pork in the bill, pork in the bill, pork in the bill, pork in the bill, that they had to vote it down. And uh, if you read the bill, there was no pork in the bill. And John Stewart was uh, very quick, John, J-O-N, yes, I know, uh, <laughs> was very quick to point out that there was no pork in that bill and, and held it, hit their feet to the fire, show me the pork in the bill. And they couldn't because there was none, didn't exist. So they did, most of them, many of them, enough of them to pass the bill, did an about face and voted for it. So basically admitting they lied the week before that basically they were just screwing veterans to own the libs the week before. But now they've done the right thing, except for a few assholes, one of them being Rand Paul, who came out and made a speech about, well, they could have... They kind of got sick anywhere. Uh, We don't know they got sick from the war, so why should we have to pay for it? Really? They got exposure to toxic chemicals that only get used in a war, and it could have happened anywhere? I mean, this is Rand Paul. It's such a... And you know what? 
politician the skeevy people to begin with, but Rand Paul, it doesn't get any lower than this guy. Um, so he's one of them. Mitt Romney was a no vote, no vote for veterans aid. Why? Why are you, you know, we spend trillions on killing people in wars that really, really, do you know why why we're fighting in these wars? Oh, you can say, oh, 9-11, man, 9-11. Yeah, no. 9-11 was a singular attack that did not require a war for retaliation. And you can see that because the end results <laughs> don't require, like they just killed the number two guy, in uh, the number one guy now in uh, Al-Qaeda after Bin Laden. Both of those guys, they killed without the war effort. Those were single strike efforts. They wasn't, no protracted 20-year war was required for any of that. So why are we actually fighting those wars? Uh, but so you're spending trillions, trillions on those wars and not taking care of the people who fought them and making up excuses because, oh, well, it's too much money. Too much money. Maybe you should have thought of that before you started sending kids to get killed for your meaningless fucking political games, the show, your dog and pony show about how to keep America safe. Are you any fucking safer? Because we went to war tw- for uh, with. Afghanistan and Iraq for 20 years? Are you any safer? I'm so sick of these fucking people, man, politicians. It is what it is, though. But that's the state of America right now. So the bill bill passed and the veterans, and thanks to Jon Stewart for uh, stepping up for the vets uh, and using his influence in a very powerful way. For in a good way and a powerful way, and more people who have influence should be doing that, but we don't see that to be the case. Uh, uh, huh, I just got distracted by Twitter. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, I wonder if Dean's even awake today. Dean is supposed to be my co host, Dean would usually be here by now. Uh, and he said he's been getting up at 5 or before 5 every morning. Maybe not this time, though. Uh, let me see what's going on here. Well, it looks like Jackie's back up and around. He's doing a, a radio show today. If I would have known that, I would have booked him on here for today. Um, uh, anyway, uh, what else is going on in the world? Well, baseball, the trading deadline uh, has passed. Um, any big news there? Well, any big baseball fans? The big story is Juan Soto going to the Padres. Now, I got baseball fans in, in my friends list, and lots of them. And uh, basically, they all, they all react to everything. Like somebody said this last night. Uh, about Mets fans in particular, and Mets fans could be um, Mets could be up twenty-seven to nothing, and the pitcher walks 
This is this is his dumb dumbass analogy. Mets could be up twenty seven nothing, and the pitcher walks a batter, and all of a sudden, all the fans are like, "Oh, the season's over." Well, my experience is just the opposite of that. The Mets could win two games in April, to and their fans are organizing a um, World Series victory parade for them. <laughs> That's my experience. I mean, quickly to jump. So they're you know with the trade deadline passing, Juan Soto going to the Padres. The Padres are now um, assuming they're in the playoffs and going to make a, a World Series run and hopefully win their world, first World Series. All because they made some trades, just like good trades uh, at the deadline. But you know what? Games have to be played. You have to see what happens. React. People react to one little thing at a time. I'm just seeing here Ted Cruz. Proud to support the PACT Act and all our nation's veterans. Now, Ted Cruz is the guy who fist-bumped defeating the very same bill that he's now proud to support. Unbelievable hypocrisy. Somebody's got to, you know, this has got to come back to haunt these fuckers come election day. Uh, Fist-bumping. I'm sorry to go back to the story I was just on, but I'm just seeing Ted Cruz is proud to support the PACT Act and all our friends, all our nation's veterans. You were proud to to vote it down last week. You were fist bumping over it. Now you're proud to pass it, to vote for it? Fuck you. Uh, uh, you know, this crazy woman who is uh, uh, running for Congress in... New York. She's like uh, the typical New York girl with the with the potty mouth. Who am I to judge with that? But uh, not what you expect from a politician, um, which might be an appeal for her in New York. But people just saying "fuck" and grab them by the balls and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right, BB. Uh, she's running against AOC here in New York. It's just silly. It's just silly how ridiculously over-the-top caricature of a New York uh, dope <laughs> this woman is. Uh, Jesus died is trending on Twitter this morning. Jesus died. Now, again, I came back to... Um, I don't know how you know that. I don't know how you know that. How do you know that he even lived? And, of course, if he lived, he died. But how do you know he even... Jesus died is trending for some reason. Jesus died so we can all fill animal stomachs with plastic and God has his way. What? Jesus died because Republican Christo-fascists crucified him. No, that's not true. Um, actually... Uh, the Romans and the Jews crucified him. But I'm not blaming the Jews. The Jews are not the scapegoat here, if anybody wants to get on my hate mail uh, list. Jesus died for our sins according to that which the scriptures foretold, and that he was buried and he was bodily was raised to life on the third day according to that scripture. Yeah, well, I got a storybook that tells you about a bunny that comes... um, I don't know. So Jesus died is trending on Twitter. I don't know. Uh, looks like I'm going to have uh, my friend Lisa Polizzi on. Uh, I should look, look at dates available for her. Now, I introduced you a little bit to Lisa yesterday. 
uh, Lisa is, as I mentioned, was mentioning, I was talking about it when I was rudely interrupted by a raid by the, the guys who like to watch movies. I don't know. Doug, Colin and Jamie raided me yesterday morning in the middle of telling you about my friend Lisa Polizzi. Now, Lisa uh, is, and was and remains the hardest working young woman in show business. She runs, she's the lead singer, and put together four different bands, one of them being a Janis Joplin experience, where she is Janis in a tribute situation. She books all the bands, she puts them together, runs all the rehearsals. A lot of work. People don't understand the work that goes into that. So about three and a half years ago now, I was producing a uh, show for her for my Roku channel, which is like a documentary behind the scenes called Being Lisa Polizzi. And I uh, shared some of that on my Twitter feed, and there was some interest in that and, and some really nice comments on YouTube, supportive comments of it for a four-year-old show, no, three and a half years. But people were impressed by it, so I'm going to be having her on the show. Uh, just looking for open dates, because she just I just contacted her a few minutes ago. Probably, um, what is that? Oh, that's this week. No, we don't want that. Looking at next week. Uh, bah, 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 maybe Friday? No, I have... Uh, no, I have Friday. I've got a lot booked up. Um, the week after? Maybe I'd have to have an extended program one morning because I'm running out of dates to fill in the morning show. Um, I could always bounce one of these suckers. Oh, Friday the 19th might be good. Friday the 19th is looking good. That's what we're going to, I'm going to propose to her, get her on Friday uh, the 19th. Uh, wow, so I'm, I'm back on that again. Oh, I just lost that date. I could take that date off the calendar. There you go. Boom. Gone. Um, good morning. My wife is uh, waving goodbye to me. Good morning. and Hello and goodbye. Hello. I must be going. Uh, I'm glad I came, but just the same. I must be going. Now, um, Beyonce. Uh, she has this new record out. Don't ask me what the name of the fucking record is. People make a big deal whenever Beyonce drops a record. And last week she did. But then there was some, I don't know, words used in one of the songs that they wanted edited out. People, So you're already outselling the thing. And now you got to go back and edit it and repress stuff. But yes, uh, there was enough outrage. And I'm so sick of the word police. Enough outrage to make her go back to the studio and uh, edit out. I forget what the words were. It wasn't. Oh, spaz. Spaz was the word because it was considered ableist. Now, there's a movie called Grease where there's a character named Spaz. And he's not a disabled person. And I don't know, I honestly, I'm being quite completely honest here. I don't know, and I know some mean-ass, stupid people. I really do. I've never met anybody who used the word spaz as an insult to a disabled person. Never. Spaz is generally used 
for an able person who's just, you know, like me, very uncoordinated, very goofy, two left feet, stop being a spaz. I've never heard it used to insult a disabled person in my life. And I've seen some really bad and ugly behavior from people. That being said, and word police is just word policing and telling people what they can use in their art. So she used the word spasm, spasm in a in one of her songs and caused enough outrage that she has to go back in and re-edit the out uh edit audio now you know with that kind of money behind you it's no big deal i guess um but you know they already did enough pressings and enough product out there enough packaging printing and all that kind of stuff that it is a significant cost and waste of material and there's still gonna be copies with the original word out Word policing. We've gone way too far with word policing. You got to let people, you know, the First Amendment has to mean something. And if you disagree with it or you find it hurtful, don't buy it. Don't patronize it. But to organize and say, you have to change what you're doing because we are so upset you use that word. This is a bad place in America. Uh and uh what well, dean's here now he's, i don't know is he ready he looks ready yes i'm gonna bring him in and include him in this conversation i'm sure he has a different perspective on this than i do uh good morning dean hi how's it going good morning it's it's going good uh do you change your background there something looks different over there you got you got some things no i didn't change the background huh it looks a little Maybe different. The angle is a little different. Yeah, whatever. It looks nicer. It looks uh, more contrasty today. Uh, oh, okay. uh, what do you got? You got a baseball hat, not a fangled, ta- fangled cap on mm-hmm. today. The baseball hats for a, to, for a German football soccer team, St. Pauli. Uh, it's it's a, like a left wing team from Germany. I used to follow it when I was in Germany. How has your week been going, man? Good, I got a DJ gig lined up next week, next in, Friday. In the city? In this, you No, know, in Brooklyn with Tony Conqueror at Rise Radio, 57 Gram, also on Twitch. Wow, good for you, man. You're, you're rocking out now. You're, you're, you're um, a rock star. Well, a DJ star. Video well, video. I'm doing it. I got a good time. Yeah. Friday Did- night. Do you do a lot of talking in between, or are you just one song into the other? One song into another. No talking. No talking ever? I don't talk, no. Oh, Maybe okay. Yeah. Now, I want to get your perspective on this thing. Now, the word spaz, offensive to you? No, not really. I never really thought of it that way. Yeah, no, I've yeah, never... I I've said, like, spazzing out, too, probably in reference to myself. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I know I, I people have said it about me, so I don't think it's an ableist term, and I don't think it's ever again. I've I've been around a long time. I've never heard anybody use it to insult a disabled person. It's always meant as somebody who's fully able-bodied, just being a dork like I can be. Just I'm uncoordinated sometimes, and sometimes have two left Most feet. Say like that, even like morons like ableist, and if you look at the history, maybe it was. Yeah. But the o- the overall um, 
the trend of just word policing, like getting so hypersensitive about this word isn't. A, first of all, you got to be listening pretty close to even pick out the word. Right. And then so somebody's listening to this album saying, what, what words is she saying? Oh, that's offensive. That's offensive. You know, and then organizing people to a- actually say, you need to change this. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's a crazy time we live in. I mean, how are you supposed to create any anything if you have to be so sensitive? No, I, agree. I mean, there are words I don't like. I don't like the word cripple. I don't I mean, I, I can use it about myself. Um, I can call myself a crippled motherfucker, sure. Um, I don't like the word gimp. I don't like those words. Yeah, but, that's but a- if somebody used them, would you be organizing, like if it was in a song somewhere, uh, would you be organizing people to protest against the, the record company and the artist? No. <laughs> that's that's the point, the point I'm making. It's just like, you know what? If you don't like it, just don't buy it. Don't listen to it. It's pretty simple. Uh, I'm a little bit fuzzy today, don't I? Yeah. Yes. The other thing that came out now with that same album, Monica Lewinsky, are you you familiar with that? Beyonce's uh, controversy. Monica Lewinsky wants her name removed from one of the songs because uh, Beyonce used her, her name in one of the songs. Now, Monica Lewinsky, 30... 30 year old story now of uh, what she was in, the news. in trouble. Huh? You're going to get me in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, so pe- pe- people are, are, she's, she's reacting. She wants her name taken out of, of a uh, song. Yeah. yeah I agree. And uh, as much as, I know I'm, I'm not, I think Monica Lewinsky was the first person in history. She's kind of like the poster child for cyberbullying, where people just got, got on somebody, and mm-hmm. the internet was brand new at the time, and like they just dragged her through, you know, all of the. She was just made jokes of constantly. Television and the internet was just new then, and you know, newspapers and all that. So she was slut shamed. Slut shamed. Oh. She's the original poster child for that, so I do have some sympathy for that. But you know, you can't tell people you can't. If you were in the news, you were a public person, you can't tell people no. they can't use your name in a song. So. No, that's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our guest today is uh, Corbin Le, uh, Corbin Lemaster. He's uh, from Springfield, Missouri. Have you have you checked him out at all? Do you know anything about him? Well, I checked out um from the from the little blurb you sent that's what i did yeah uh seems to be a traveling guy a road a road warrior of of sorts i mean he's not maybe not uh doing la and new york but in the middle of the country there seems to be uh hitting some clubs around there and seems to have been more established i'm just wondering if he's going to actually make it here today because the first two two shows this week no what have people been doing to you it's ridiculous now, well, how would you handle that? How, do you got any advice for me on how you, you would handle all the notes? I would probably not be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would ask them back, personally. Yeah. Well, with my nighttime show, because that's authors usually, off, most often authors trying to pitch their books. And if they don't show up, I, I, got, I got mad enough 
about six months ago where I said, if you don't show up, you can reschedule, but there's going to be a rescheduling charge because this work I have to do, promotional work, setting up the buckets and all that stuff, setting up the, uh, you know, the schedule in within the streaming a- apparatus and all that stuff. So there's going to be a re- recharge, you know, like a restock fee. If you want to reschedule, yeah, you can do it, but you're going to have to pay me for my time now because you fucked me once. Yeah, people should like show up when they say they're gonna show up. That's yeah. what I believe. <laughs> yeah, I I I forgot to reach out to uh, Billy Wayne Davis last week, but I know uh, you basically what's gonna happen with him. He's gonna tell me. Yeah, how? No, he might do it when I mentioned. I'm the one who mentioned the thing on Twitter for him to do the Instagram for Andy thing, and that yeah. happened. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I'll so reach out. I'll reach out to him today and I'll CC you on it and and, and say, you know, uh, we got to get you on the show and we'll definitely make it so on the day that you are co-hosted. Uh, but, you know, don't expect it to be anytime soon because he'll blow you off for like months. Like, yeah, holler at me next week. Holler at me next week. Holler at me next week. If anything happens fast, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Are you following the uh, San Hope Thirty Days in a Hole thing? Yeah, I'm watching that. Yeah. Uh, are you are you up current with him? Because I saw one last I'm night. Africa, I... right? Yeah. Did he fall off the wagon? Yeah, I probably fell off the wagon. <laughs> yeah, well, flying will do that to you. Flying will, is a, a very stressful. You, you know, if you're trying to avoid cigarettes and drinking, maybe not the best time to fly flying the flying is, really makes yeah makes me want to have a cigarette too right. yeah yeah there's no cigarette like there's no cigarette like after a flight cigarette that's the best cigarette ever yeah that's the number one rogan <laughs> rogan told a story about norm mcdonald he was he was by chance sitting next to norm mcdonald on a flight and a cross-country flight and the whole flight, Norm was telling him about how he had quit smoking, and that's all he was talking about. And then as soon as he got off the, the plane, he saw him at the luggage thing, and Norm was sort of lighting up a cigarette. To <laughs> he said, Norm, I thought you quit. He's like, yeah, you know, all this talking about smoking got me back. In. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, cigarettes are a hard thing to get. You ever smoke? No. Yeah, no, I smoke, no. No. I do smoke. But, but I smoke like 10 cigarettes a day. I think that's pretty good. That's pretty, you know, most people who smoke will do a pack a day, easy or more. Um, why, why, you know, it doesn't seem like that's a hardcore habit if you're only doing 10 a day. Well, I enjoy it. You yeah, do? so I do. <laughs> and that's one thing I never got. I never got, you know, tobacco. It, it, I'm a coffer. I will hack. Anyway, um, what's going on? Any any uh, any like thing of interest going on up in the Bronx up there? Anything interesting or newsworthy? Well, or? I gotta have a colonopsy colonopsy on Friday. Oh my <laughs> god! First one. Yeah. First one, yeah. Oh, that's not a fun experience at all. So. Yeah. Uh, Friday, so it's still too early. But I think tomorrow you stop eating, right? And they start, you got to stop eating and, and like, yeah. start drinking this kind of uh, whatever it is that weird Black stuff. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm sorry, man. You know, that's not... There's got to be a better way to detect ass cancer than making you go to the hospital. You know, because they used to... There was this movement, and and I don't know what happened to it, a full body scan where you just go into this thing and this, this machine, you know, like an MRI type of thing, would do a complete body scan and it could detect cancer anywhere in your body. That was advertised pretty heavily on terrestrial radio here last time I listened to it, which was 15 years ago or so. And that was all the rage in New York, the full body scans to detect cancer. I don't know why they can't use that for, for calling no, it. I don't think I've had a full body scan, but it, it, it's still doing the same thing. You think it's just uh, kinky, weird doctors and nurses just enjoy doing colonoscopy? <laughs> I don't know. There was this one girl who put her finger up my ass. Yeah, and they love that. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, one time uh, I I had a gig the night before, and I was, you know, in those days, gigs lasted till 4 o'clock in the morning. And I got home 5 or whatever and passed out on the floor in my, my living room. And I woke up in the morning, and there was a lump on my wrist. Oh no! And I I was freaking out, like, what the hell is this lump on my wrist? And I'm thinking, can cancer grow that fast overnight? I got wrist cancer overnight. It's a tumor. I don't know. I was young and stupid. Uh, So I went to a doctor, and I don't usually, I'm not a big doctor guy. I went to the doctor, and I showed him my wrist, and I told him that story. (laughs) And he's doing everything. He goes, okay, drop your pants, bend over, (laughs) bend over the the bench. And you see him putting the thing on his finger, you know, the, the rubber on his finger, and he's sticking his finger up my ass and all that stuff. And I was like, I hate that stuff, man. I'm so uncomfortable with that. But yeah, really. yeah. he goes, okay, uh, turn around, pull, pull your pants up, get back. And so I did. And he, I, he's telling me, you know, uh, I seem healthy and all that stuff. And he just go walk into a, re- a physical report on me. And I was like, okay, what about this? He goes, oh, that's a ganglion cyst. Just bang it on a book. It'll go away. Bang it on a book. It'll go away. I was like, are you fucking yeah. ganglion cyst? It's just something that has it's ganglion is a fluid and it just builds up and you it's can just bang. Yeah. You bang it on something and it goes away. It breaks up. I was like, you, why did you need to stick your finger in my ass to determine? Because uh, I just came for this thing. You could have just said, oh, just bang it on a book and I could have walked right out. You felt the need to have me bend over and stick a finger in my ass just because. Yeah, totally unnecessary. Yeah, just wanted to do it. Just wanted to do it. Anyway, um, yeah. So we got about twenty minutes. I'm gonna play the uh, my sponsors ad today. It only takes a minute, a couple minutes. Yeah, two, about two minutes. True Fire is the sponsor here today. Uh, True Fire place to learn guitar online. You play any instruments, uh, Dean? No, you just play the. Uh, well, I, don't know, I can play a little bit of guitar. You can. Yeah, I took lessons as a kid. Cool. Uh, and you have you own a guitar? Yeah, I have one. Yeah. Acoustic or electric? Acoustic. Cool. cool. It's a Yamaha. It's a Yamaha. Then it's not that. Now important. you know. Do you play reggae on on the uh, acoustic guitar or no? No, I play stuff that's more close to like old timey country or something. <laughs> dig it! I dig it. There's nothing wrong with that. Old timey country. I love it. 
I love it. Well, True Fire, you can learn to play any style. This is two minutes and two seconds, actually. Uh, True Fire is our sponsor today. Learn to play, practice, and play uh, online at your own convenience. They have some of the greatest teachers in the world, True Fire. We'll be back in two minutes and two seconds. Over 2 million guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. TrueFire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with TrueFire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. TrueFire style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations, and track your progress as you work through your personalized TrueFire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. Carl saying mock the week I don't know what maybe it's a British thing mock the week has been shit for 15 years your shit jokes will have to go elsewhere this is Carl on Twitter I don't know what that means it's probably a British thing Uh, you know about mock the the week I have no idea no idea week as in week not uh, as in a seven day week right not like weak people or something mock the week not like weak people but weak the week yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it is Wednesday, uh, August 3rd. Summer is going by. Are you um, a big uh, season guy? Are you summer guy, winter guy? What do you like? I'm a fall guy, honest. I like it when it gets a little bit, you got the fog and stuff, you get the trees changing. And you the know, I agree. The I agree. Um, autumn is probably the nicest season weather-wise, or the beginning of autumn, anyway. The first two like late September right through October, beautiful weather. It starts to cool off. It's it's really, and you know, the leaves, all that stuff. But then it gets depressing. Guy like you who was prone to depression, and I am a little bit too, the seasonal def- affective disorder get to you at all? Like the, when light starts getting short? Um, well, when the winter gets really hard. Yeah. More in like February and stuff when it gets really cold. And yeah. Really, yeah. This yeah. winter was really hard. I I don't deal with with that stuff at all. I need 
I need a certain amount of light. I should probably be, I don't know, probably have two places to live. And then a little bit north of here in summer, a little bit much south of here in winter to get as much but light as possible. in Mexico City, like, there wasn't really any seasons. It was the rainy season. Wow. But it was sunny all, most of the time. Now, you've lived a lot of places, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've lived a lot of places. What's it, what's the best place for you weather-wise to live, like all year round? Weather-wise, maybe Mexico uh, or Colombia. Col- you lived in Colombia? I did, yeah. Wow. Now, is, is Colombia a communist country? No. Yeah. But the Communist Party is pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking about that last night in terms of a lot of people, a lot of countries have a capitalist, like a capitalist business system, economic system, but the Communist Party is very strong, or sometimes even the ruling party, and people think, well, it's a communist country because the Communist Party is the ruling party. It's not necessarily, like Vietnam, the Communist Party is the ruling party there. But they're very capitalist. They're completely business-oriented, oh, yeah. and they're not state-run businesses. So that, that, there's a big distinction that I think a lot of people don't get with that stuff. So, um, But, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to me. Now, la- speaking of Colombia, last night uh, on my evening program, I had a guy on who wrote a book called The, the King of Miami about a guy named uh, Little Ray Thompson. Ever hear of him? I have not. He was a marijuana smuggler from Colombia, started in the 70s. Now, this guy compared him to Scarface, but he was he, he made his millions, he made his riches smuggling weed. Like, and I never thought like, you know, when you think of drug kingpins and smugglers, I think of like heroin and cocaine. I never think of weed as like the big uh smuggle and and Colombia was the country it was smuggling from. Now, Colombian weed, when when you were there, was was weed a big business down there? Um, there was weed around, but yeah. it seemed like something else was more of a big business down there. Right, but now in in the world today, I think you know we have good weed gr- like grown in America. Else, something else was the main big business over there. Not weed. Right. If you get my drift. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, now we don't need it anymore. We have good weed here. Right. We have the best and weed. So that would have put that out of business. But at that time, they were running, according to this guy, millions of pounds of, of weed from Colombia to uh, America. And this guy was a, like a multi, 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 one extra multi millionaire off of the weed business. And to me, that was just shocking. And I thought, always you hear about weed being a gateway drug, right, to other drugs. Now, mm-hmm. I don't I don't buy into that. But I do buy into it for, from the dealer perspective, not from the user perspective. If you're, if you're smoking weed, it doesn't mean you're going to become a, a cocaine user. But if you're dealing weed, especially in a country like Colombia, where cocaine is uh, a better cash crop, it seems to be a natural evolution. You're already smuggling. If you have to smuggle 
hundreds of thousands of pounds of marijuana. All you need to smuggle is like one ton of cocaine for the same amount of money, right? So it just seems yeah. like a, a natural evolution. But the, according to the story, the guy never got into that stuff. But he got on death row <laughs> for killing one of his best friends who robbed $600,000 from him and, and basically I'm took not- him out of on a boat and shot him in the head, cold blood, cold blooded killing. Pretty a uh, wild story. Book is called the the King of Miami. But I never heard of this guy before. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, I've heard of, of a lot of you know outlaws, criminals, gangsters, whatever you want to call them. I never heard of this guy, little Ray Thompson. He did fifteen years on death row, and in those days when the when they convicted him, the the death penalty in Florida was by still by electric chair because he got convicted in 1985. Electric chair, not by a lethal injection, but electric chair. You you know what that you know what that entails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd prefer that to a lethal injection. Maybe I would. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not supposed to be fun with the lethal injection. You're paralyzed and you're in pain. Yeah, well, you know, electric chairs got to be the most brutal way, brutal way I could think of of of, of killing somebody. I mean, it was wow. just. I mean, you go, you go on fire. Basically, is what happened. They put juice through your head and through your feet, and somewhere in the the electrical, you got flame shooting out of your fingertips and all that kind of stuff. It's brutal, man. It's the most inhumane <laughs> possible way to kill somebody. But it got repealed, and then, uh, or he got uh, I mean, when they overturned the death penalty. I guess he was still uh, he was still prisoner for up until three years ago. Died in prison. Now the guy who wrote the book, who was on the show last night, was telling me what a nice guy he was, and he, he became good friends with him. And he said he was a really nice guy, a really nice killer. He killed his best friend in cold blood. Can you imagine what it would take to take your be- very best friend? out on the water and shoot him in the head at point-blank range. No matter what, he, you know, so he sold $600,000 from you. That's a lot of money. I could not pull. I can't I can't see my... And I've been guilty of losing my temper and being in a rage, being betrayed, all that kind of stuff. Can't imagine. Can you imagine taking... No, I can't imagine either, but, you know, like, when your best friend betrays you, then it's kind of worse, the worst thing that can happen. Right. The whole thing was. I don't want to murder anyone, of course not. Right. No, I get it. Yeah. No. Well, the thing about betrayal, it never comes from an enemy. It only comes from friends. So if it's That's your best, true. yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but you, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was thinking, you know, have you ever seen the movie Miller's Miller Crossing? Miller's Crossing. I have not. Oh, you got to check that movie out. Miller's Crossing, check it out. I forget who the director is, but Gabriel Byrne is the star of it, and uh, Albert Finney is in it. It's about the Irish mob before the, the Italian mob in New York City. Oh, yeah. And um, they, Gabriel Byrne has to take this guy out and kill him in the woods, uh, a guy who was a friend of his, and but he has to do a hit on him and take him out into the woods and hit him. And the guy starts begging for his life. Please, look at the eye. I beg of you. And he's on his knees crying. And like, man, now I could not 
pull I cannot pull the trigger. I can I, I and I was kind of thinking of that. Like his best friend comes out, you got him out on the water, you, he knows you're gonna shoot him, it's just the two of you. He's got no guns. You got a gun pointed at his head. At some point he's gotta break down, start shitting his pants, begging for his life, and you still pull the trigger anyway. And you gotta have a pretty cold heart to do that. No matter how angry, no matter how hurt you are by the betrayal, somebody saying, Please don't kill me got to get to your heart don't you think definitely yeah yeah i so i can't i can't imagine so but then he comes and describes this guy as a nice guy and he I killed mean, he killed other people after that too he didn't get convicted of those but he, he was only convicted of the one murder nice guys, you gotta be careful huh you gotta be careful of the nice guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, and, you know, and it's just the idea of the, such a nice murderer. Yeah, he's a murderer, but he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. He may hold the door open. Cut yeah. your head off. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm going to try and contact uh, Corbin, make sure he's coming right now, because we have about eight minutes for him to be here. I don't want to get stood up again. If I get stood up again, I'm going to be very upset. Um, so are we you... Yeah, are you? Jamie and Carl is like permanent, like a guest. So, yes, guest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you enjoying uh, this whole um, guest hosting thing? And and what do you, you know? If so, why? What's what's enjoyable about this? Um, I do enjoy it. Um, I enjoy like the conversations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. Uh, I usually learn something, and that's what I get out of it. You know, I, I, that's what my hope for every show is that I'll come away with some, uh, either some insight or opinions of stuff I hadn't considered before, or learn some new facts. All that kind of stuff is always interesting. Oh yeah, in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what am I typing to him? Oh, uh, um, this is now. <laughs> you gotta get your guests to show up god damn it yeah he's at his colonoscopy oh um, that's what I'm I, think, I think he's supposed to do it every year now from for the rest of your life i don't i mean i mean that was the thing when i turned 50 oh you gotta do it every year i was like yeah no after after one or two of them you're like, I don't think I want to, I don't think I need to do that. Sometimes I think dying of ass cancer has got to be as much fun as getting, <laughs> getting a call. Well, I have problem to whatever I have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Tom, Tom was in, in the crowd last night uh, in the, in the chat room last night. He said, he was commenting on last night. Did, I didn't notice the notice, but, and this is something I want to bring up to Carl. Because when you're in prison, like this guy was, they only give you one roll of toilet paper a month. Uh, to me, I'd have to be really careful with that. Because what happens when you run out? <laughs> what happens? You got to beg it from other people? What? I don't know. Is it, or you start to have to cut up your, your bed sheets? What is, I mean... Oh, I don't know. It's, oh, it's, yeah, uh, using your sock. Yeah, and I'm the kind of guy who, who definitely has uh, never been really cheap with with that stuff. It's not like I'm no. over the day. It's, it's something you have to consider. 
uh, and I never really, and I know people who went to prison. I should ask them, uh, is it that the case with everybody who goes to prison? You get one roll of toilet paper a month. Yeah, now, I hadn't heard about that before. Right. And I'm wondering if you have a cellmate, does he get, you know, you each get a roll and is he stealing yours? You're stealing his? Or, you know, who's keeping an eye on my toilet paper? It's become the precious commodity now. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But according to this guy, now, he he kind of kept comparing him to Scarface. Now, Scarface was, a you know, a fictional character, right? But um, different. He was a blow addict. And this guy was, was doing a lot of blow, but not dealing blow. Uh, but it just seems to me like, you know, we you don't think of weed kingpins in the same stuff as you do with Tony Montana or, whatever, you know, that whole... Um, Doing no, I think the Mexican cartel are definitely involved in it. Yeah, the Mexican cartel are involved in some stuff for sure. Yeah, but this guy was was dealing with. Uh, well, I guess the Colombians were, were at the time just as deadly, right? They had that. You know, I don't know if they'd call them cartels, but they definitely had organized crime in Colombia that was running the whole weed game back in the in that day. Oh yeah, yeah. You watch that show Narcos. Yeah. Uh so our guest has arrived. You wanna you wanna introduce him in or you wanna leave it up to me? You can do it. All right. Corbin Lemaster is a uh working comedian, seems to be he's from uh Springfield, Missouri, but seems to be on the road right now. I'm not sure uh uh if he is truly on the road, but he's here now. He's uh he actually showed up for first guy to show up this week. Let's have a big hand for Corbin <laughs> LeMaster. Corbin, hey, welcome. Hey. How's it going? All right. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just got you wearing the Zane. You wear the Zanies T-shirt now. Yeah, are you in Zanies. Nashville now? No, I was in Nashville last week. Ah. And uh, I just got home at like 3 a.m. last night, and then uh, go back out on the road next Wednesday for like. Good for you. You 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 loving the life? Oh yeah, it's great. The road's the best place on earth. Is it? Yeah, I mean, you get to go out there and do comedy, and uh, people kind of kiss your ass sometimes if you do good, and uh, it's fun, you know, tell some yeah. jokes. Right. Um, but now, how long are you doing? Are you doing an hour show? Are you doing a 45 minutes, half hour? What are you doing? No, I'm doing, well, it just depends. Uh, just spots some places up to like 30 minutes other places. Okay. Uh, so kind of whatever I can get. So you're on the road and you're filling your day with what? Why? Because you're what? I know uh, you're not just working a half hour a day, even though people look at you and say, well, you just work a half hour a day. Right, right. Um, how do you fill your, because that's still a lot of time, man. Well, I wake up nice and early about 3 p.m. And no. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I, uh, I'm sorry. Exactly. I'll wake up at 3 p.m. today. There you go. Perfect. Uh, I get out, uh, when I'm on the road, I like to walk around whatever town I'm in and check it out and see what places they got and, uh, try to write jokes about the city or something weird about the town and then, uh, spend time writing just that day and then try to do museums or whatever. Just, it's just trying to fill the time, you know? Very, yeah, no, I know the, I know the feeling. It could be very, 
And listen, I, I'm not a traveling guy, but even my gigs, like two and a half hours, it, it, it's a yeah. <laughs> two and a half hour drive each way is, is, is commuting, right. even if you're staying home. But uh, so uh, you, that sounds like a great thing because I love seeing new places and all that stuff. That's all exciting Me and too. new. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, four years. Four years. Uh, yeah. through, through, I'm sorry. Non-stop? Well, except for that two-year break we all had to take. But, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, yeah I, much, I was going to ask the same non-stop. thing. By the way, that's Dean. Dean, meet Corbin. Dean O'Hara. Dean, he's nice a, to meet you. He's, he's a guest co-host for today. This is his third time doing it. Oh, uh, very cool. Yeah. Dean is a big-time comedy fan. I met him at a uh, Billy uh, Wayne Davis show. Here oh, I love Billy Wayne Davis. He's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so are you touring with somebody? Are you on the road with somebody or are you just, uh, uh so I'll, I go on the road with Mark Norman quite a bit. Uh, Ooh, look at you. Like, big... Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty exciting. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we have a good time. We'll be in, uh, San Antonio next weekend, but, uh, other than shows not with him, I go on my own and, and do my own thing. Cool. Now he, you're playing pretty big rooms with him, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, pretty much every show sold out, and it's like every weekend, five or six shows at a comedy club sold out. And uh, I haven't done a theater with him, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're packed as the, well. The reason I ask because and you brought him up, and he's in New York, in Scarsdale, New York, on September 12th. That a friend just opened up a club there. It's really small, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the club. I'll, I'll find oh, yeah. out. But it's it's really small. It's like 30 seats, 30 seats complete oh. in the whole place. And it's like, wow, that's kind of small for Norman. Like, I mean, he's, he's he, big time now. He blew up. He's like as big oh, as yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And everybody knows him walking down the street. It's horrible. Everybody's like, okay, queef, comedy, whatever, yelling at him the whole time. But uh, I, he's probably just going to work out in small stuff and, or uh, new stuff in a small room. Right. Does your comedy complement his? Because he's um, he's a nonstop joke writing. I mean, I've never yeah. seen anybody as prolific as him. But uh, oh, style, style wise, do you do you compliment him or uh, are you uh, cre- similar to him? Yeah, we we're both joke guys. We both write a lot of jokes. Uh, not really into stories much, but uh, in that sense, I would say that we complement each other. But uh, I mean, he's such a good writer. He's so much better than than probably. Oh my! I mean, there's there, you probably count on one hand guys who are better at writing jokes than him. And uh, so, in that sense, yeah, we're very complimentary. And a lot of times in the green room, it's it's bouncing bits and and talking about jokes. Uh, so yeah, I'll tell you, my, we do man, every comedian that uh, who who has been on this show or is watching the show, and I've had some some pretty decent big names, you know, but I think every comedian if you're hearing this, like hanging out in a green room with Mark Norman, got to be a little bit jealous of you, man. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like my friends get jealous and stuff, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of insane because because uh, when I started comedy, Mark was like a guy I looked up to and Mark wasn't even anybody. He was just a comic. I know. And, uh, I loved his, his podcast. And I loved Joe list. And then, uh, ended up working with him just randomly one time. And we kind of had a good relationship then. And then over time it's kind of built up. And so, uh, now, now we're, I don't know if we're friends, but we're friendly. 
Yeah, very and, cool, uh, man. That yeah, I I that's that's it's such a good feeling because I'd know rock stars. I grew up, uh, you know, it's just they were heroes to me, and now right. I have their phone numbers in my cell cell phone. Right. I can call them up and say, "Hey, man, happy birthday," which I did just the other day. Uh, yeah, but that's so it, fun. <laughs> I know, very. It's it's a it's a little. It feels weird. like you're in there, like you're right. in there, you're doing it. Right. It's, it's awesome. Uh, now I. Uh, wife, family, you got any of that? Oh yeah. Uh, well, not a wife, but uh, <laughs> close enough to a wife and a, and a daughter. Yeah, and they're supportive of what you're doing. Oh yeah, they they're great. Difficult we, on on a relationship to be on the road all the time and. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's not easy. Uh, a lot of texting and uh, FaceTiming stuff like that. Uh, but we we make it work. We figure yeah. it out. That's cool. You know, I kind of, with the young comics, I stress that uh, it's so important if you're going to be in a relationship to have somebody who supports what you do, but also yeah. for you to be honest about it up front when you first meet that person and say, listen, this is who I am. You got to understand I'm a different, right. I'm, I'm not the guy who is going to go nine to five, come home every night and want dinner right. on the day. <laughs> yeah, that, no, no, that's it ain't big, that. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, that's where a lot of part problems start is you're not because I have a, a drummer I work with who goes through relationship like, and oh, I'm like, yeah. do you ever have that conversation up front? Like, this is what you can expect of me because that would would solve a lot. Like, of- <laughs> I feel like you have to like otherwise you're going to be gone, you know, two thirds of the time, and they're just they're going to think you're just not there, you know. But, yeah, like, yeah, well, you, like you don't care, but it's it's, it's yeah. just it's, it's the job though too. So with, with with this, when did you kind of make up your mind that you were going to be a comedian? Uh, honestly, I went through like kind of a crazy like quarter life crisis type thing. Had like a big breakdown and all this. And uh, I always loved comedy since I was a kid. But to me, I grew up in like southern Missouri. There's like one comedy club in 300 miles. So I thought comedy comedians were just people in California. That's how you did it. Like you had to be in California. So I just never thought it was a thing. And then I go through this whole big breakdown and uh, the comedy club closest to me, I just decided to go up one night and I was hooked and, and here we are. Wow. So uh, was it, uh, you just went there, signed up and for an open mic yeah. and just and waited for it to be called? That yep, takes pretty much. That- I mean, yeah, just showed up. And what's crazy is, like in high school, I was the kid who would fail uh, a project if I had to present it. Like, I would not get up in front of the class. I did not want to talk to people. I was I, I could not carry a conversation. Yeah. No, I understand. Public speaking, is they say, is the number one fear. Even more scary to some people in death itself is this idea of public speaking. So, so that's what they say. What made you um, be able to do that, overcome that um, that fear, and get get the confidence to do comedy? I honestly don't know. Like, I think it's honestly the first time it went pretty well, and so I think that's the only way I was able to keep doing it. Because uh-huh. if I would have bombed hard, I don't think I could have got back up there. But uh, to just, uh, I, I honestly don't know. I think it's because it's a one way conversation. Uh, I don't have to worry about somebody else replying to what I'm saying. Um, right, so let, me, let me follow up on that because you you were t- talking about 
being in class and, and nervous in a presentation thing. Now, th- to me, that's that speaks to the f- familiarity with the audience. Like you're seeing people mm-hmm. you know and being nervous like that. So in the comedy club, your first time there, did you were you alone? Didn't bring any friends, and and if so, did you sit them in the back of the room so you couldn't see them? That kind of thing. <laughs> I did bring friends uh, because in my head, I was I told them all I was like. Even if I do bad, just laugh so I can <laughs> so I can get through it. Yeah. You know, but it turned out I, I I did pretty good. But then since then, it's like, please don't come see me if you're my friend. Like, I don't want anybody there. I know I can feel everybody judging me. I don't need it. You know, I, and I, so, I hear that, man. Uh, recently, uh, Dean and I were at the uh, Doug Stanhope show and oh, uh, great. Uh, we weren't there together, but I know he was in the same room as me. But uh, Stanhope does not like people he knows sitting in a, uh, sitting no. up front, and uh, the people I was with were insisting on sitting, and they'll they'll deny that this was their fault. But sitting in the very front row, so I'm right up on the stage, and uh, uh, Morgan Murphy was his opening act, and she she oh, she, she, she uh, uh, introduced him. He comes out, he looks at the room, he goes, "Oh, I remember that." Matt Napo, <laughs> who sat him in the front row? <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Now the yeah. whole place knows I'm a dick. Uh, right. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, most most headliners and comics, they do not want people. They don't even want to see people they know. They're like, yeah. if they invite people, like friends, family, they're like, just I'll talk to you after. I don't want to see you. And yeah. uh, stuff like It's crazy. You'll get, there'll be people come to a show like all weekend and they sit in the same like front row. It's like right. you've seen the jokes. I don't know why you're still here. Well, I I can appreciate that too, though. But as a fan, I don't. I definitely would not want to be in the front row if it were my no. choosing. I would not want because uh, you maybe know, one show. But if you're going to come to all of them, go to the back for the rest. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. definitely enjoy because sometimes you laugh so hard and you you. After one show, your face is hurting from laughing so hard. Your your stomach is hurting, and then it's like, I wish I could remember some of those jokes because I was in such a state of euphoria that I can't even remember half of it now. So that's what a second night right. does for me. It gives me the idea. At oh, least, there you go. It solidifies the memory a little bit. <laughs> well, I guess also, uh, I guess seeing a, a, somebody's act a second night is kind of like watching a movie again, though. Yeah, so yeah. You, you catch up on all this little stuff that you missed the first time. Right. Do you, are you that consistent? It's like you're watching it for the first time. Say that again? If you're a stoner, it's like you're watching it for the first time. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're a stoner, yeah. Yeah. Are you a stoner, Dean? Um, I guess so. But I- <laughs> <laughs> now, now, just uh, to you for a second. With, with, with the... Because you had a traumatic brain injury with the stoner stuff, does that does that complicate things for you? No, I mean it's good for depression, and it's good for anxiety. And I have a medical card, actually. Uh, uh, now, last time you were on the show, right after the show, you went and macro mic, macro dosed on mushrooms, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> how was that? <laughs> um, it was a little. I mean, it was a little too much. Yeah. yeah, I was probably grew up and stuff. Uh, are are you? Um, mm-hmm. do you partake in any of the substance stuff, uh, Corbin? Or uh, I'll dabble, but no, nothing crazy. You know? Right. 
uh, weed and mushrooms and do you, but nothing for, wild. Not while you're performing though, right? No, no, no. It's always after. How about for writing? Because uh, Colin always said that weed was a great tool to punch open up. up a window for for punch up stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I 100% agree. Uh, I think I think it's good to to double write some of your stuff. Like if you uh, sober middle of the day, just you know sit down to write, uh, write a bunch of jokes, and then uh, go back over them when you're in a different you know, if you get, you know, smoke a joint or whatever, and then just get giggly and, and silly and you get kind of these different thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, uh, now, um, Missouri legal mm -hmm. there yet or not medical, but I don't medical. have a card, Right. Oh, you don't have a card now nah. here, here in New York, it's so messed up because it's legal medical and recreational, but only, you can only buy uh, medical right now. There are no recreational dispensaries open, which is kind oh, of... Oh, okay. Well, there are, but they're not legal. They're not legal. <laughs> they're not legal. Well, okay. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> They've that, always been that way. Yeah, like, <laughs> somebody told me yesterday... <laughs> Was it you, Dean? Somebody mentioned that there's a, a van, the weed van in on call mentioned it in New York. They, they, it says the weed van on it. And it's like, oh, I've seen it. I've seen it before. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, LA, they have like a, a delivery service, like Uber. It, you know, you have an app. Well, and you I say, hey, like I need this. And... Yeah, my my medical dispensary has has delivery. Oh, that's uh, good. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. They charge you twenty bucks, but for me, it's so far away that it makes it makes perfect sense yeah. to pay an extra twenty bucks to have it delivered. Sometimes, yeah, hell, it's only twenty bucks. I, I think about the you know, the old days when they'd rob an armored car, you know, because <laughs> those weed vans come up. You know, they're packed oh, with the yeah. best weed. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how they get away with uh, driving around so much. I guess, I guess no, they have like this. Like, they do like a deal, like you can give it away as a gift. So you buy like some like card or something, and then yeah, you get the uh... and then it's not, not illegal. It's like their workaround, yeah, workaround, yeah. So uh, with writing material now, um, do you do you need to go? Do you need to go to like an open mic nights to work it out, or you? Because again, I, I hate to sound like I only know one comedian in the world, but no, Colin, Colin used to. I write stuff out long longhand and practice it in front of a mirror and then practice it in front of his wife and friends or something. Uh, right. What What is your routine for like developing new material? So I'll, uh, I try to write every day. Of course, sometimes it doesn't happen, but uh, I'll write every day. And then, uh, yeah, I hit like probably two mics a week and it'll just be all new stuff. Just seeing if anything hits. And then if, if something, even if it's just like a little chuckle, then there's something there. And then I'll take that and work that over. And if uh, if it's kind of getting something, then I'll I'll take it to the weekend and work that over. And uh, just it's I mean it's just constantly saying it, breaking it down, trying it a different way, and stuff like that. I mean each joke is is just a little project. You know I mean uh, it just takes these steps of writing, going to an open mic, uh, saying it. 10,000 different ways and then you know a year later it's it's in the show
Okay, now that that's where I wanted to get to. Like when you're writing something, and originally it's not getting the reaction that uh, that you thought it would right off the bat. Do, do you stay committed to it and say, you know, I know this is funny. It just needs to be reworked away. And how long? How committed? How much energy do you put into saying, I know this is funny. I know I can make it work. It's just a matter of tweaking it here and there. How 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 much would you say? Well, yeah, I mean, that depends on the joke, really. Uh, you know, if it, if it's something I really like and it's like, oh, this is fun to tell. Like, I have a joke about, about like, trans athletes right now. That's just – it's it's a lot of fun to, to talk about just because people get kind of on edge with that type of stuff. And But there's times where it doesn't work. And so yeah. being in, the, in that joke is kind of hard to uh, – uh, play around with just because of the crazy stuff that you talk about with trans athletes or whatever. And then, so it's, it's literally like, okay, I'll, t- I'll say this part at the beginning. Now I'll try this part in the middle. And if it doesn't work, I'll try this one at the end, or I'll just break it down and, uh, and try rebuilding it from a different angle. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. Now I'm glad you brought this up because I am. I've. I've had it with the word police, joke policing, and no, uh, yeah. I, it's just to me. It's like we've gotten to a point where we're crushing every every piece of uh, creativity out of anybody because you have to be really careful. It doesn't sound like you're being all that careful though. But nah. the, the question is, uh, like, for a comedy club versus being on a podcast, there are things you 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 know even. And I think yeah, um, I know I'm all over the place with this with this comment, but you have to get to a certain level of superstardom before anybody mm-hmm. really wants to cancel you. But still, yeah. at your level, are you uh, are you really being like walking on eggshells with developing stuff and saying I can make a joke about trans athletes, but I got to be really careful in the way I do it? I mean, to an extent, just just naturally, I feel you know I'm a good person most of the time like i don't but people don't know that uh, about you yeah i mean but that's where it starts is like okay (laughs) i know i'm not gonna say anything like oh we should burn them all in a fire pit or something crazy and so (laughs) i I, you know what i'm saying i start there and it's like okay i know like i know what side of the line to fall on if that makes sense like yeah yeah but and and honestly i don't i don't want to upset anybody i don't want to piss people off to your point, I feel like I, I feel like I'm a good person too, and like I'm not going to say anything that would make people want to hate me. But then some things I will say, like just as a joke on Twitter, and light people on fire, like they, like I'm like Hitler all of a sudden, like yeah, it, you know, I made a well, joke. Well, that's of- and see, that's where uh, people with like no sense of humor, like they they shouldn't come to comedy shows. Right. Uh, like if if you get upset at a joke then there, there's some, you have more going on in your life. Right. You know, you're, you're just, this is your outlet to, to scream at someone. And like Twitter and online, that's just become the thing. Is like, let's find something that, that makes us angry and we'll just attack it. Right. Now, and, uh, um, I think from my perspective and what I'm seeing, especially on Twitter, is I'm seeing older comics 
or, or it's two things. I think all the comics who are no longer all that relevant and not working that much more and have too mm-hmm. much time to spend on Twitter and young comics who are just starting out who are frustrated with no success yet. Those are yeah. the two groups that attack com- comedians more than anybody. It's not necessarily the general public. It's other comedians, either guys who were once uh, more famous or more mm-hmm. productive than they are now, who ran out of relevance and they're on Twitter 24 hours a day picking apart oh, everybody. That's all they do. Yeah, and or the young people were just frustrated with that, you know. So it's not just, it's it's people within your own your own circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like the, the older guys who are kind of uh, maybe out of the most most of them weren't that good to begin with uh to be honest i mean let's be honest like a lot of those teams no, they're, they're not that great uh but i mean they're, they're they they're good and they had their, their day but they only can uh you get to this point i think which i don't know uh four people on earth know who i am but uh uh you get to this point where people no, you have to go this one certain way with the people you have around you. Otherwise, you're cast out. And so I think they get kind of in that world and forget about the comedy world of it. And yeah, 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 yeah. I, that's, yeah. that's where they get crazy. No, but I think I make, uh, make the jokes with uh, Norm MacDonald made on his special. Mm-hmm. They were stupid. I don't, I don't think they were very good at all. I just don't his think they were the ones he made on the on the one like the, the nothing the, special the the most recent one yeah yeah <laughs> I uh, think they I cut him a break he was dying <laughs> yeah well, you he, know he was dying but I didn't think it was that funny yeah I mean it, it's it's hard to be funny uh, by yourself yeah staring into a webcam too. Uh, when you're sitting there dying of cancer. Yeah, be uh, fair be fair about this, Dean. The guy had yeah. a mic- microphone like this. He didn't he, he, and basically he's telling jokes knowing he's going in for an operation tomorrow that might kill him and he's mm-hmm. he knows he's been battling cancer for like 9 years or whatever. That's <laughs> a hard, yeah, it's really difficult. It's not a That 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 drive that he I I I couldn't sit through the whole thing. It, it, but he had a few premises in there that were really gold and given stage time and, and uh, more lifetime, obviously uh, there was a couple chunks in there that would have been real awesome stuff. But uh, Norm is so great and he was one of the best ever. So it was nice just to be able to see like, Oh, he was still working right up to the end. He was still writing jokes, still trying to get the funny out. And, you know, back to what you said before about knowing you're a good person and, and, you know, that guides you in what you can write. Norm MacDonald has a reputation for being, or had a reputation, I should say, for being, like, obsessed with homophobic jokes and stuff like that. But yeah. I think Deeply any, any anybody who knew him and even people who didn't know him, if you could see from a distance how emotional he got with, with people like David Letterman when he said goodbye to him mm-hmm. or at Saget's roast and all that, know that this guy's of a good heart. He's not a hurt, hurt yeah. you know, hurting person, not somebody who's hateful or holding the... He just, like, found homosexuality to be a silly thing and joke-worthy. And it I think is, any, anything, you know. right, anything in the human condition should be uh, acceptable. Well, if to if you can't laugh at yourself, then, I mean, what can you laugh, you know? 
Right. I mean, if you're a gay, it's fine that you're gay. Like, what does it matter? Like, let's laugh at each other, you know? Right. Now, recently, Andy Richter, uh, I found this thing on YouTube, and it was after Norm passed, Andy Richter talking to Conan about how uncomfortable Norm made him feel about <laughs> with his home, homo jokes. And, uh-huh. and like, he was, how do I explain that to my friends who are homosexual or my family members who are homosexual that mm-hmm. I, I stood there said, but now to me, and I'm not asking you to pile on Andy Richter with me, but to me, that first of all, the weakness in, in, in attacking a guy after he's dead when you didn't bring it up to him while you yeah. sat there for years and years is a weakness. But there's also the point that I made is that did you ever talk to your your homosexual friends or, or family about this? Because I, I, I'm pretty certain they wouldn't be as upset as you think they are about it. They right. get the joke and laugh about it. And I think that's well, where we are in culture right now. We're assuming people are going to be offended, but we don't ever talk to right. them. And say, Do you find that offensive? <laughs> what's What's funny is uh, so much of that stuff, like well, with Andy Richter, he was obviously, he didn't want to tell Norm because Norm's big. And now that he's dead, he can apologize to his friends who were pissed at him. Right. And so, I mean, that that's a cop out. That, that's messed up. But uh, uh, as far as, like, talking about, like, picking – not picking on, but being equal uh, with every group, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one thing if you're, like, attacking gay people for being gay. Like, okay, you probably shouldn't do that. You probably shouldn't attack people – for something they don't have. But if you're just making a funny joke, like about whatever, like, oh, I saw two gay guys holding hands and, and one of them fell and the other guy fell into his ass, whatever, you yeah. know, like something stupid, then like it's, it's, you're just having fun and everybody should loosen up. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the classic, <laughs> the classic one from Norma, and I'm going to butcher it, but where he says, Gay Pride Week, I saw a guy, a father wearing, a, I'm, I'm proud of my, I'm proud of my gay son. And he says, yeah. Well, that's a weird thing to be proud of. I mean, basically, uh, people, you can imagine a guy here, my son yeah. just gra- graduated from Harvard. Here's a picture. And he goes, Oh, yeah, well, I got a picture of my son sucking a cock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, have a great, you, have a, you have a great norm. That's a good act. Uh, that's a good uh, uh, impression. Uh, that's such a great joke i love norm his jokes some of that that moth joke he told on conan about uh i mean it takes him five minutes to get through the setup but it's so good yeah now that is i think that's a lesson for anybody who's going to be a guest on a talk show even in the world of podcasting now which is taking over for the talk shows what norm set up there with with his conan appearances was a typical thing he would go through a joke book and find an old joke mm-hmm. and make that into a like a, an actual story and tell it as right. if it's something that really happened to him classic stuff but it worked on, for that format like nobody else ever figured out so kudos well that's norm. as good as norm was as a stand-up he was 10 times better on panel like he right. would i mean he was coming in sniping jokes when he wasn't the the main guest he was crushing when he was the main guest after he died there's like a compilation on youtube of all norm's appearances on letterman it's like four hours right. long right i, just sat I down and watched it. it it i mean it's I'm so good it's just man. i'm so sorry good. i oh, watched it yeah. yeah, I was at I was at two of them. I went to. Oh, uh, wow. Yes. And you know what? I didn't realize what a what a special treat it was at the time. It's like something yeah. that happens to you and you're like, man, I wish I would have cherished that moment a lot more after, it, you know, when I realized he wasn't going to be with us forever. You kind well, of yeah, think of about course. It. 
if we could come back to Norman, uh, uh, um, Norman for just a second, because uh, do you get a chance to talk to him? Because he blew up. He went from relatively just, you know, feature act to like one of the biggest stars in just a really short, short period. Do you get to talk to him about how basically how that happened, but how he handles going from, you know, because that's a mm-hmm. really quick leap, really fast, and a quick adjustment. I would think, as a mentally and emotionally, to be able to handle and just going from yeah. I'm a regular guy, a regular working comedian, to now one of the mm-hmm. biggest stars in the in the world. The- well, uh, what's crazy is when I first met him, the first time we worked together, we went to a bar after the show, and he was sitting there <laughs> texting people. And this was before he put his special out on YouTube, and he was telling me he's like. He's like, this sucks. Nobody wants to buy my special. He's like, it's going to be horrible. And then he was telling me about how, oh, gosh, I don't know if I should say, ah, whatever. He won't ever see this. Uh, <laughs> he was telling, we were talking about how he put out a special on, on Comedy Central. He put out an album, and then uh, Amy Schumer produced a, a special on Comedy Central for him. And then he couldn't get anybody to buy his own special, so he's going to go back to the albums. I was like, is that, is that pretty bad? He's like, it's not good. He's like, it's, it's really bad. He's like, I think I'll just put. He's like, I already shot the special. I guess I'll just put it on YouTube, and hope for the best. And uh, you know that, that that was in like January of of twenty twenty. Right, yeah, right when the COVID hit. Exactly yeah. when COVID. Hit. And yeah. so he's he's like thinking his career sucks, blah blah blah. And then six months later, he's the biggest guy. And uh, now talking to him, he you know he he knows what he's doing. If that makes sense, yeah, like his kind of uh, persona on podcasts and shows uh, is kind of aloof, but yeah. talking to him, he understands like, okay, I'm bumping up, I'm moving up. I have to keep moving. And he's very much, uh, very much a guy where he understands it's, it's a, it's a marathon, but you have to take these little sprints. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's hot right now. And so he, he's, he's making a run. He's getting on Rogan every four months or whatever. You know, he, he he's really doing good. And uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if we we talk so much specifically about it because uh, he's very humble. He's a very humble guy. No, that so strikes me because it strikes yeah. me as he doesn't realize that that he's one of the biggest stars in comedy right now. I mean, uh, uh, secretly, I think he does. But <laughs> if you told him that, he'd be like, "Nah, you're crazy, whatever." Yeah. But uh, you know, alone in the green room a couple times, we we talked about him blowing up getting big and i think he's pumped i think he's excited do you uh, do you take any lessons from that that you can apply to your own career and your own like career and like it's hard to think like plot out a career i don't think anybody in who's a creative can really do that like this is my next step and all that stuff but do you take any kind of uh lessons from that or mindset about where you're going to go with it there yeah i'm here today sorry i cut out I lose you. Basically, I'm asking you basically if you if you take any lessons from that conversation or those conversations with with a guy like Norman and kind of think in, in terms of your own career long term and how do you apply those lessons? Yeah, I mean, every single weekend uh, uh, that I'm around him, it's it's nothing but comedy school. Uh, you know, I see how he treats people, how he treats just just everything from his openers to the staff to how he treats the people during the show to his writing. You know, he spends all day doing podcasts and he writes. 
And so just saying that is a huge lesson, uh, you know, and he, he, he'll dump these little, little bits of knowledge that he's not really telling me, but just being that advanced of a comedian, it's just a natural thing for him to say. And so that's a huge little, little nugget sometimes. Yeah. And so, uh, it's, it's, it's a constant learning, uh, like, uh, before I started going on the road with him, like in my scene at home, uh, uh, you know, I'm like at the top, I get on all the shows. It, it's not that big of a deal. And so I kind of had this, uh, uh, maybe inflated ego about, uh, comedy and how good I was. Uh, but since going on the road with him, it, it's been kind of a wake up call and, uh, it's helped so much because now I just, I'm writing differently. I'm writing more, I'm, uh, changing how I write. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much comedy university from the time we meet up till the shows are over. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy this is happening to you because it, you know what? There's so many people and you must be doing something right. And you must be a good person for these, this kind of stuff to be happening to you. So uh, congratulations. Well, try to um, think of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, what I say to everybody uh, who appears on this program, I hope you get big enough that people want to cancel you. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Burr has the best way to not be canceled. They've tried to cancel Burr like 10 times and he just, he's like, ah, whatever. I don't know. I don't think anybody can really be canceled. I think everybody they mm-hmm. attempt to cancel only gets bigger. If you look at Chappelle now, yeah. or even Louis C.K., Louis C.K. lost those, his television show. But mm-hmm. he still sells out anywhere he goes. He sells out giant rooms. He's, his right. album wins a Grammy. Uh, I don't think he can really. I mean, there's good and bad. There's the you know you look at somebody like uh, like Louis. I mean, he got canceled in the sense that he doesn't work mainstream anymore. He's not in Hollywood anymore. Uh, you know, he's fighting his way back, and I do think he'll he'll probably probably get back to where he was. Uh, it just takes time. But then you look at a guy like Shane Gillis, who you know was canceled. And, uh, you know, it made his career. It made it, it did, but don't tell him that he hates yeah. that. He does <laughs> not want to hear that shit. Uh, <laughs> I told him, I told, I worked with him once. I told him that and he, he visibly got mad. Uh, so I was like, ah, that's a horrible idea. And, uh, but, uh, you'd look at him. He's, he's definitely got a great career, but, uh, you know, maybe it would have been way better had he got on SNL. He could, I mean, looking at what he does on his own with Gillian keys and all that, it's obviously he's so much better than anybody on SNL. Yeah. And so, you know, from an outside perspective, it could have been better. It could have been worse. Who knows? The biggest douche chill moment I've ever seen. Well, uh, Shane was on, um, <laughs> douche chill is when you feel embarrassed for somebody. <laughs> that's what I call. Douche I like chill. that. Uh, <laughs> I get those every day. <laughs> he was on, he was on Rogan and they were having this deep conversation and Rogan started to get lost, and in, in, you can see Ro- Rogan was a little high, and he started getting lost in thinking about what they were saying. And Shane said something that was really funny, and Rogan was just kind of spacing out for a minute, like, huh, what? And, yeah. and, and you could feel like Shane feeling like he bombed in front of the biggest audience oh, yeah. in the world because, you know, you don't want to – you're on Rogan's podcast. You, you want the host to laugh at what you say you think is exactly. really funny. And then you get this, huh? What'd you say? Oh yeah. Well, it, uh, what's What's <laughs> crazy is I've talked to Mark about Rogan, and he's like, Rogan's tough. He doesn't just laugh to to carry you in a joke, right? And uh, 
that that what Shane told him he's talking about getting canceled and now he'll just go on Joe Rogan and that was the punchline. But what's funny is, like I've heard Shane tell people that several times, like just on podcasts and then in person he even said it, and and uh, he uh, it got a big laugh. And then when it didn't get a big laugh. Right. Rogan, you can yeah. visibly see it was so bad. That is but, the moment you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> but the clip blew up because it was it was such an awkward moment. People loved it. Right, right. And uh, the first time I, I saw uh, Norman on, on Rogan's podcast, you could tell there was a little bit of nerves there. Like, he, this mm-hmm. was this was a big moment for him. This was at, right before that special came out, I believe. And it was like, you know what? This is the test. This is yeah. It's funny how you you if you could go in a time machine back like fifteen years or so, would you ever uh, predict that Joe Rogan would be the career maker or like Oprah was for right. for authors in her day uh, for comedians? <laughs> What's he, crazy about Rogan is I remember because Rogan to me is the fear factor guy. He's the the yeah. weird guy, and so when I saw. Uh, a few years like after fear factor i saw him uh, uh advertisement for him doing comedy and in my head i was like oh he's just another actor he can't get a job he's starting comedy i didn't realize <laughs> he was a comedian this whole time yeah, yeah and so to me he was just like some fear factor guy trying to do comedy blah 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 and now he's you know the biggest guy on earth right so do you uh in in from your part of the country now and maybe because you're on the road and uh, you probably see it even more but this idea that comedians everybody in it seems that everybody in america wants to be a stand-up comedian now no yeah, it's popular it's very popular we need less uh you know there's there's a lot of bad comedians well you so and- when you say we need less don't you think don't you think the universe will take care of that on its own Oh, it will. It will. Uh, I was hoping. I was hoping the pandemic would take most of them out. But uh, you know, there are a few guys who can get up there and just bomb every single night, and they don't seem to realize it. But for the most part, you know, they try it a few times, and then they're then they're done. Yeah, you know I, what? What I, what I see mostly is people want to be a part of it. They don't want to be a comedian. They want to be a part of comedy. Me. They That's they want me. to be there for the hang. <laughs> And uh, yeah, oh, that's you. That's why I do a podcast. I love hanging out with comedians. Right. I love talking to them. I love. I've been in diners and green rooms with them, and I love no, that experience. I don't want to be on stage doing stand up, especially at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a pretty fulfilling career doing music, but um, yeah, I I definitely love comedians. I love getting hearing fresh perspectives. I love yeah. uh, to see people's minds that were was it somebody who thinks differently than I do and just has a different funny take on something. That is a great moment for me when I say, "Well, what made that what made him think of that?" That's just, you know, that well, I love what's that. What's great about comedy is is you start here, you know, everybody knows what we're talking about and then a comedian takes it this way and and you're dying laughing. I love yeah. that. That yeah. you know, it's all about the perspective. Get a big laugh with a different perspective than what everybody else is saying. Now, uh, it's interesting because we're talking about this, but and I'm saying the universe will take care of something. I've seen some comedians, and I'm not going to name anybody or shame them on this, but, and I don't want that's not my intent here. But when I see people who are really certain they are a stand up comic and they're aggressive and going at it with full of the dream, and it's clear that they have about 
as much talent for it as I do, or less. Uh, and I don't want to break their heart, but it's, it's some, I, it hurts. Do, yeah. Um, is, do you ever see like a comedian like take another guy or, or girl aside and say, "Listen, you're you're shooting too high for you know advice," or will you you just let them fall on their own? Uh, <laughs> I like me personally. I feel like I don't have any room to say anything like i'm just trying to figure it out myself uh i've never seen anybody be like hey maybe you shouldn't do this but there's definitely those conversations behind people's backs constantly yeah no i don't even mean to not do this but somebody who was acting yeah i'm really skating on thin ice here because i don't want to out anybody somebody who's acting like they've already made it like they're a superstar already you're on the, you've been see. doing open mics for six months you're okay, treating yeah, yourself yeah. like your bill burr or like your you know dave Chappelle, mm. top of the world and acting like that and like coming like slow down you, you you're gonna burn yeah. out and you're gonna find out that if you go too hard at this and expect too much from it, yeah, you, you're going to burn out and realize it's got all a huge disappointment. If you slow down and realize that comedy is a fucking marathon, by the time oh, the time it takes yeah. to be establish yourself is a long time. Have well, a little patience. You know? That's right. Comedy taking forever is when I really realized that comedy is what I want to do because I was okay with it being 10, 15 years from now. I'm right. okay with that, you know. Right. Uh, obviously, I want it quicker than that, but uh, you know, I know it takes time. And and answer your other question, uh, I definitely see that stuff all the time. Like, there's a kid in our who just started in our, in our little scene here, and he like people are trying to uh, book shows, and they're like, "Who has this much time?" And he's telling people he's got 15, 20 minutes. It's like, bro, I've never seen you get a laugh. Like, calm down with this all this time <laughs> that you got. Like, comedy is so much more than just writing something and going on stage and saying it you know what i mean there's it's there's technique there's there's joke structure there's all this and it just there's no way that kid has anywhere near 15 20 minutes yeah, you know yeah. I mean? he doesn't have two minutes yeah i know and some of it there's a big movement now especially in metro areas here la chicago uh, in miami comedy classes And I do think you can take somebody who's not a naturally funny person and build them a a stand-up comedy act where they will be entertaining and funny Mm -hmm. because of the delivery. But in in doing this and getting to meet a lot of those people, I'm surprised how unnaturally... naturally unfunny uh yeah. i don't know yeah un, or unnaturally not funny whatever it is yeah. it, in, in social situations they can't get a laugh in, in a conversation where some right. of the people i know who can get make you break up in any conversation probably could never do stand-up so it's the, the well, that's, and the and being funny are two different things it, it is it's crazy there's 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 such a different stage funny than like being funny with your friends even you know like some people like you said can't they can't get somebody to laugh to save their life and then other people can kill their friends but then when they get on stage they they literally can't even speak yeah and then like me like in in personal life like when i'm just sitting around i don't say two words to people like i'm very 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 quiet like i don't know what to talk to people about but then you know like right now this is this is more of a performance than Right. And, uh, 
you know, uh, sit down and have a chat. And so it's kind of, I got lost in, in this thought, but it, it's, it's kind of funny how that works out. Yeah, comedy yeah. classes. Oh, I want to say this comedy classes, I think are the biggest, uh, joke on earth. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. If you want to have like a, uh, like at an open mic, like a comedy class, like, okay, you got to move the mic. This is where the light will be, you know, try to try to tell somebody kind of how the rhythm of a show goes, then I'm down for that. But to sit there and be like, this is how you should write a joke. This is how you should do that. I think that handicaps and, and handcuffs people. Cause then again, they're this mindset of, okay, I have to write a joke like this and maybe they will, uh, focus on that too much and, and not find their voice and they could end up not being like norm. If norm went to a, a comedy class, he's never going to sound the way he sounds now or the way he sounded before he died. And yeah. so I think people in those comedy classes, uh, might be taking advantage of people a little bit much. I, I, I hate to agree with you, but I have to agree with you. And the reason I hate to agree with you is because I have a lot of friends who actually teach them. And mm -hmm. it's kind of walking a political because I I don't think they do it with the intent of taking advantage of people. I think they're honestly no. making a living. But I have to say, out of watching this unfold, I have seen some people who've come out of uh, comedy classes who have become mm -hmm. very successful comedians. I'm yep. not. I don't know. If, um, I tend to think they probably could have without the class, but the class definitely was their yeah. stepping stone to get into it. Like not everybody can do what you do, which was right. being go to a comedy club and sign up and just take a dare or not even take a dare. You dared yourself to go yeah. up and do that and find the bravery. I it's, talk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's what I mean is like, if a comedy class helps you get to that point of actually getting on stage, then great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always talk about it as being, uh, the most courageous uh, uh, art form there is because you're up there all alone. You can't. You have nothing to hide behind mm -hmm. except that thin wire and a microphone. Do you oh, still yeah. feel that way after four years in, of doing it? Because I know the first time oh, yeah. you went up, you probably felt some of that. But I mean, the, like going up at home, I don't really feel that too much anymore. Just because I'm comfortable there, I can say whatever I want, and people will forgive me. It's you know, it's home. But uh, definitely going on different, like, going. I last week I went up at Zany's, and that was my first time there. I was definitely nervous before that. You know, it's a big club. It's an important club. Uh, you know, you got to impress people there. And so I was definitely going on, like, nervous going on stage there. Uh, but, like, to go to a bar show, I don't don't really feel anything. Yeah, cool. Now, I'm supposed to say goodbye to Gov's uh, Comedy Club. We are on Gov Governor's Comedy Club's network. Uh, generally, this time... I have to say goodbye. I'm going to ask them to bear with me for a few minutes because I want to uh, make sure. First of all, do you, do you have a play? Long, you know, any plans to ever come to New York area or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I'm thinking about coming in November <laughs> for a week and trying to do spots all over. We got to see if we can get you in Governors. Uh, part of I'm we're in. part of that network. Um, do you have shows to, before we we say goodbye to Gov Comedy Network? Do you have shows coming up that you want to plug or, or let people know yeah. about? So I'll be in uh, at LOL San Antonio with Mark Norman uh, next weekend. And then I'll be in Austin the week after that. I have shows on Sunday at the, at the green or at the, yeah, at the green J and then on Thursday at the Pershing, uh, both at eight o'clock. And then uh, I'm headlining 
the social room in Columbia in October. I'm headlining uh, Joplin Coffee House. Nah, nobody's going to listen to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's, no one's gonna, yeah. Um, so now uh, I have your I have your Facebook uh, uh, page, but is there a website or anything uh, or a place where people can follow you more closely than just a Facebook page, or is that the place to go? No, Instagram. Go to Instagram at CorbinLeeMaster underscore. Uh, that's that's what I spend most. Of my I time I on. will I will uh, get that link and put it in the description after the program so people can follow. Oh, you. perfect. Uh, we'll say goodbye to Govs right now. Goodbye, Govs. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, we have an uh, also in in this area, and I'm getting affiliated with uh, Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club, which is New Jersey, oh, yeah. Pennsylvania, and Connecticut. Stress Factory, so, right? Yeah, I'm trying to uh, broaden out and find chains of comedy clubs that will will be uh, associated with this program. But Zanies, because you, you mentioned that, and you're wearing the t-shirt, that's mm-hmm. one of the most important rooms right now. In yeah. America, who would have thought Nashville would become like the place? A hotbed. Yeah. Uh, so with when you with that, is it mostly tourists? Because Nashville's a tourist town. When uh, uh, the room filled with tourists, I it felt very touristy uh, when I was there. Like I, I was only in Nashville for like six hours. I, I had to drive from Cleveland to Nashville. Oh my I, god! I did, yeah, I did Cleveland. <laughs> like Saturday night and then Zany's on Sunday or Monday, whatever it was. And uh, yeah, so I only got to spend a little bit of time in Nashville. But uh, the, I mean, the room was packed. It was normal people, uh, nothing crazy, but definitely felt like a little like, oh, we're in Nashville. Let's go, let's go to Zany's and watch a comedy show. Yeah. Now you are in a car by yourself doing this? Like road dog? Uh, or- so like when, when I do weekends with Mark, I'll just go by myself. Uh, but doing these other shows, especially with gas prices and all that, I'll take a friend of mine who's also a comedian and we'll, uh, I'll get him on some shows and we'll split cost and all that. Yeah. Uh, cause I've seen JT and Eddie Pepitone, they, cause they, they travel together almost Hilarious. exclusively. Yeah. But some of the best stuff these, the public doesn't see is the stuff mm-hmm. that, that JT's taping in the car on, on the trips in between right. road stops. Uh, yeah. Doing any of that? Cause that stuff, I mean, that could have the potential to blow you blow up your career pretty big oh, yeah. if used in the right way. Uh, I haven't done that yet. We need to though. Cause I mean, you get two comedians together in a car for 10 hours, something funny is going to happen, you know, <laughs> you would think I mean, what, whether it's, you know, wrecking or whatever, you know, something funny will happen. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a good call. I need to start doing that. Now you mentioned but, Austin. Um, mm-hmm. JT has the uh, altercation festival in Austin in October. You doing any festivals or, or, or working on and getting in festivals and stuff. And is uh, that, is that a, a, a career move that is important to do? Cause I see, you know, for me, I would be, it would be ego-wise, like to get into yeah. Montreal or get into one of the big right. festivals. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily. I think like an appearance at Zany's or an appearance on Rogan, yeah, was is a thing. Uh, these I days. know there's there's a lot of these festivals. I know Altercation's a good one. Uh, I've never done a festival. I've never uh, I've I've put in for a few of them. But so I know a lot of festivals are so much just like, hey, if you know this guy, he'll get you on his festival. Uh, and some of them I know are just like ploys to make money, 
you yeah. know, you'll see it. It's like, oh, $35, the headliner, somebody nobody's ever heard of. I know the uh, ones you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. But there are good ones. <laughs> you know, Skank Fest is great. Obviously, Montreal, everybody wants to do that. Uh, Altercation's a good one. There's uh, Red Clay in, in Atlanta's good. Uh, Limestone, Madelano Martin. He, uh, he has a great comedy right. festival in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. Are there areas of the country that that are tough for you? Like, like, are you had mostly the places with comedy clubs? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first road trip, my first time going on the road a, a couple of years ago, I really realized like, oh, different parts of the country has have different sense of humor. Uh, you know, like down yeah. in Atlanta, it's a it's a different it's a different vibe, and so. Uh, definitely starting out i felt that a lot more now i've written i write more towards towards maybe broader topics uh you think you there. think those areas realize that because when i had sam talent on i was asking him about this basically uh because at the time there are a couple of comedians i knew west coast and east coast were like battling like uh like hip-hop yeah. hip-hopers like west coast east coast and i asked sam about that and he said new yorkers definitely uh don't have a a silliness to them like anywhere no. else like you can go south southeast and just be like really silly and goofy and get lots of laughs in new york that doesn't work but i don't no. i think as a native new yorker we don't understand that that we I, have a problem in <laughs> I think New York's too gritty and too hard of a life to be silly on stage. You know what I mean? Uh, you guys are always like, everything sucks. It smells. You know, there's homeless <laughs> people jerking off in front of your faces every two seconds. It's horrible. And so, like, where where does the silliness supposed to come in, you know? Uh, in Dude, LA, you got to stop just, jerking off in front of people's faces, man. I know. Well, get paid first. But, uh... uh you know, in L.A., they, they, they don't even have jobs. They barely, you know, nobody yeah. does anything out there. And so I think the silliness is able to come in. Uh, I think in Atlanta, I did Atlanta uh, a couple months ago, and uh, they have kind of a silliness to them, but it's almost like a silliness only Atlanta people get. Right. Like, uh, it's very, very, like, pretentious silliness. Like, oh, we're in the South, but we're better than everybody in the South. Stuff like that. Yeah, uh, you know, there are parts of Georgia that were... uh, That's part of the culture is like the the Southern pride, the Southern royalty, Tara. (laughs) Horrible. Charlotte O'Hara, not not to be confused with Dean O'Hara, Scarlett O'Hara. Uh, that, that syndrome anyway uh yeah no it's it's cool stuff so um you're an optimist for for the state of comedy or not or do you think oh you think, very much yeah I, I mean i think if you look at it now you can definitely see the, the the tide is shifting it's all changing uh you know louis winning a grammy is big for comedy uh burr just put out a new special that that really tackled some tough su- subjects and uh he did it great and uh, so, and obviously Chappelle uh, doing his thing. Uh, Burr, had, nice Burr if, has if, a way of 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 because you talked about trans athletes before. Uh, Burr mm-hmm. was talking about women in sports and uh, yeah. in in this stuff. And uh, you know, there's it, this line about uh, where we draw philosophy because a lot of comedians are philosophers, and we a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of us normal workaday people 
get our philosophy or and Dean is a philosopher by the way, a master's in philosophy up here on the right. Uh, we get our our basic uh, culture philosophy from comedians and a lot yeah. without knowing it. But there's this line that I think. I th- and I blame Carlin for this again. I'm sounding like George Carlin's the only co- uh, comedian I ever know. No, but I, I blame Carlin. Carlin for 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 this for in a way, and not like judgmental against him. But his career started, and he blew up doing this this kind of philosophy, you know, take mm-hmm. on society stuff. And it, it crossed the line at some point to be almost pro- professorial, like a college mm-hmm. professor giving a lecture. And yeah, I think 100%. too many young guys want to start at the professorial level. It's like they, well, they forget about, you know, Colin started at the hippy dippy weather man. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think uh, you see a lot of, you, you see a lot of guys trying to like imitate Chappelle or uh, guys like Carlin where they're talking and they're not really working on a joke. They're trying to make a point. And to me, it's like Carlin and Chappelle. And, and I'll tell you, like, I love Chappelle, but he hasn't made a joke in forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, and his special, uh, an hour and a long specialized t- two jokes in yeah yeah but it's basic and you if if you watch it you would just think it's basically a ted talk yeah, exactly <laughs> and so but you get these young guys like me i would never sit down on stage that blows my mind you see people who like first of all like Chappelle, carlin they've lived these lives where so much has happened to them they've had so much adversity they've they've lived they've experienced and like a 22 year old just starting comedy what's he done he hasn't done shit in his life right yeah, and so yeah. like what what are you gonna uh prophesize to me about you know what i mean yeah yeah uh well are you on twitter i'm gonna follow you on, are, are you on twitter a little right? bit a little uh, bit i'll follow you on that. That but i'm finding that's where comedians at least where you know the comedians that i i know are getting the most traction at i know you said on instagram but Mm-hmm. And a lot of people use Instagram and Twitter, but uh, that's a bigger one. Um, so I appreciate you being here today, and I oh, do hope great. Thank you. So I much. do you hope you blow up, and I will do anything I can to help. So basically, anytime you have something important you want to uh, let people know about, please just drop me a line. Say, can you? And, oh, and great. There are certain areas where I have a bigger following, a uh, mm-hmm. bigger audience, and I will I will push that stuff as much as I can. And uh, hopefully, uh, please do come back sometime. Don't get too big so oh, that you, you, you can't come back. <laughs> anytime. This was great. This was so much fun. I'll hit you guys up when uh, I come to New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we'll, I will because I have a, a meeting after the show today with governors. We're going to be talking about some live events. I'm going to be t- getting some stage time, a bit, very big uh, live event they're doing. So I oh, will wow, bring yeah. bring you up and, and see if we can't get you, if, especially if you come in the northeast area here, mm-hmm. uh, on something there. I'll get you booked up, up here. In. I'm in. Perfect. Very cool. Thanks for being part of the show, Corbin. It's been great to, right. to meet you, and good luck with everything, and be well. Thanks, guys. Bye for now. Uh, what do you think, Dean? I enjoyed it. It was a good conversation. Yeah, you, you enjoyed it? Yeah. Did I cut you off? Did I let you speak enough? Sometimes I, I, I monopolize. I know. I, I invite you on here. Okay. I didn't speak a lot, but it feels like you guys had a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, other than Billy Wayne Davis, uh, who else would you like to be co-host on if I, if I can get them on here? Uh, well, Christine Levine, but I, that might be hard to do. No, I've had Christine on three times. Three times. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Uh, on on the, the evening program, the morning program might be difficult because she does a live radio show right now. I think she's on on uh, Tucson Radio right now as we speak. Don't go tuning in over there yet. And then so, there's like maybe like someone like Laser Wayne who's been on the Brennan Wall show a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking at you know all all those people, but yeah, it's good to know. I mean, I'm taking. Because I, I get in this tunnel vision of people I only know. So that's why I'm asking people. And then every time I put that question out there, like, who should I get on? People are giving me obvious, you know, people I've already had on. I know about the people well, I can get on. I've seen them, yeah. 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 Well, well, Brendan Walsh would be good, of course. Yeah. Bre Brendan, is, uh, he's just too funny for me. He's just, and he's, I know, he's, it, nice. he's the most underappreciated uh, uh, genius creative genius he, is, <laughs> he really is um so yeah we look forward to that so uh maybe maybe we'll have you back again next week we'll see i don't know if kiera is ever coming back i know i i haven't talked to her if she actually plans on coming back you don't know if she's coming back i don't know um, well it seems to be doing you're doing well with i think you're doing well with three different people or four three or four right yeah three or four. And if I have to go a day or two with with that with that a co-host, I'm fine with that. But it's always fun to have somebody else here, and and he, you know, even if it's you know just a comment here, comment I'm there. Enjoyed, I don't know if I contributed as much as I did the other time. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine, Dean. We we love you, and uh, the audience loves you as well. So, uh, th thanks for being here. Thanks for doing it. What do you got plans for the rest of the day? What are you doing today? Oh, don't macrodose. <laughs> I have to go um, get a COVID test. Oh, what? What? They don't deliver them? You can't? Or what? Wrap? No, I got to get a special one because I'm going to have the procedure. So uh, I have to oh, yeah, right. You haven't. I'm sorry about that. You know what? If we could get you live, do, do you, ask them if they'll put your live colon. Uh, let's stream your colonoscopy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, good um, luck with that, man. Let us know what. So you're going to be offline for a while with that. Uh, be prepared to do a lot of day or two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be prepared to do a lot of farting on um, Friday afternoon or when it's done. You're going to be the farting. Doctor told me I was going to shit my brains out. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> That's what the doctor said. Yeah, no, he's right. He's right. I can vouch for that. Anyway, uh, thanks for being here. Have a, have a great rest of your day. And, uh, you know, don't stress out too much about this stuff. And we'll, uh, we'll hopefully we'll see you next week. All right. Uh, thank you so much. All right. Bye for now. Dino O'Hara, folks. Uh, and uh, Corbett Master, man, good stuff. I uh, appreciate him. I did not know before this morning uh, that he's touring with, with Mark Norman. Uh, you know, if I... If I were so inclined, the kind of guy who who is a desperate whore like I am, I would have asked him, you know, put in a good word for me with with uh, Mark Norman. But I refrain from doing that. A little pat on the back for my own my own damn self there. Uh, that's the show for today. Tonight I have um, Tony Wall on the Mind Dog TV podcast, who is going to be talking about human sustainability. Uh, can we make a go of it on this planet? Uh, you know, human sustainability. What's it going to take for humans to uh, survive on planet Earth, even if things go well? 
with all the uh, climate nonsense that's going on and, uh, you know, natural disasters and all that stuff, even in, in light of all that, uh, what is the, what is the odds and what of the outlook for uh, human sustainability on planet earth? That's what we're going to be talking about. Heavy subject, right? Oh, not as heavy as last night when we we're talking about guys murdering their, their best friends over uh, stolen weed money. Anyway, that's the show for today. I hope you join me tonight. If not, I'll see you tomorrow morning right here on Coffee with the Dog. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your day. And don't forget to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.